Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Mindset Go Radio Show. Great to be back here on Thursday. And hope you've all had a wonderful week since we've last spoken. And the Mindset Go Radio Show is a show about how to communicate more effectively through better conversations, by using emotional intelligence, and by using multi-generation, multi-generational intelligence, multi-generational integration, I like to call it, as a way to get all the generations in sync and collaboratively working together uh, in corporate America and outside corporate America, for that matter, from organizations, nonprofits, schools, sports teams, you name it. So uh, really glad to be back here. And today we're going to talk about one of the really critical aspects of leadership and emotional intelligence, and that's the concept of intent. And I have to tell everybody, the reason why I got into this business initially is because I think it's fascinating to figure out why people behave the way they do, you know, why they say what they say, the body language they, they model and demonstrate, when they choose to listen and not to listen. I just find, you know, you hear a lot of people say they enjoy people watching. And people watching to me is really the study of human behavior. And I think what is at the heart of so much frustration and a breakdown in various types of relationships is intent. Because when someone does something to wrong us, whether it's they don't meet our expectations, they disappoint us, they disregard what we've told them in the past, we get frustrated by them. Whatever it is, when we feel wronged, what is our assumption of intent with the other person? And what's interesting about the concept of intent is that a lot of us, all of us have baggage as an adult. We have baggage. Baggage is a really broad word. Baggage to me means life experiences that you've had that have really left an imprint on how you interact with people today. And baggage is, of course, usually referred to in in a negative capacity. But when I think of intent, so much of our default intent relates to our baggage. So, for instance, if we've had, it's it's something I talk about a lot with organizations, is delegation. I see leaders who have been let down uh, when they've trusted certain tasks or projects or information to certain people, and then when the people they entrust those things to don't deliver on what they say they will deliver on and what they are expected to deliver on, people get what I call delegation anxiety, because once you have that experience with one or two people and you delegate something and you get burned, there's a tendency not to want to delegate again because the default is you've had a negative experience with it that you don't want to repeat. And the intent aspect comes in because when the behavior does repeat, if you are 
willing and open-minded enough to trust other people and and take each individual as just that. They are a separate entity or separate person that isn't necessarily guaranteed to repeat the behaviors that you've been victimized by in the past. If you are willing to do that, here's where the intent comes in. If it's happened to you twice and you say, you know what, I'll give this person a shot because there's no guarantee it's going to happen again, and then it happens again, there's that, oh, here we go again. You know, people, why did I let myself think this would be any different than the last time I experienced it? And then that default intent is that people are here to disappoint us, frustrate us, let us down, and not meet our expectations. So the concept of what is our default or, let's say, assumed intent, although those are not necessarily the same thing, why do we have a default or assumed intent reaction? And what goes into that? What are the ingredients? What are the thoughts and feelings and emotions that contribute to having an assumed or default intent or a positive and growth mindset intent. And what's interesting is what got me thinking about that this week is I was working with a school this week and there was a situation where one of the administrators in the school um, jumped to a conclusion Um, about a teacher, a teacher that had been there for 24, 25 years approximately. And the administrator didn't handle it the exact right way that the teacher had hoped. And the teacher was very upset. The teacher was upset at how the administrator handled it. And I think she had a right to be upset based on the details I heard in the story. But the fact of the matter is, What the teacher was really upset about that I helped her realize is she was upset that there was a lack of trust. So once that administrator jumped to conclusions and reacted to something she thought she heard, the fear that that administrator felt trumped her belief that, you know what, that teacher's been here 25 plus years Probably not an issue, probably should seek clarification. But see, in that moment, when you, when you get scared or nervous about something that's happened, your ability to think clearly often goes out the window because you're too worried about the specific situation at hand. So instead of that administrator taking a step back and saying, wait a minute, I know that teacher. That can't be what's, whatever I'm thinking can't be true or probably isn't true or even at best may not be true. But what it would have taken in that case is that administrator would have had to have taken a step back, not defaulted to a negative or a scared or assumed intent and actually instead use the exact solution to creating a positive assumption of intent, which is curiosity. Now look, when people act the way they do, there's a lot of things that go into, that contribute to that. And it was funny, before the show today, I was looking up what the penal code talks about when they talk about criminal intent. And it's interesting, here are the four definitions in order of how the penal code describes intent. Purposely, knowingly, recklessly, recklessly, 
and negligently. Very interesting. But what I find so amusing about that is what's not listed there is unknowingly. A lot of people behave a certain way because they don't know any better. They haven't been brought up by parents or bosses or mentors or support systems that have guided them or educated them to realize certain components of etiquette. And we, we think, you know, it's, it's in that moment where we, say, where we start to question that person doesn't get it. You know, think of a time in your life where you've uttered that sentence or something like it. They just don't get it. They're oblivious. Their head's in the clouds. All those kinds of expressions of frustration. And you know what? They may not. And we are making value judgments all the time about what people are supposed to know and not supposed to know. And I and I emphasize value judgments because there's there's this mindset of, Hey, if I know it, you should know it. Or, hey, this person's 40 or 50 years old. They're old enough to know that. Or then when young people, when we talk about children, we might say they're not old enough to know that. But purposely, knowingly, recklessly, and negligently is how the penal code and criminal intent is determined. But it goes way deeper. And... What's interesting is when we come back from our first break, I'm going to give you a very specific example of, in the workplace, of an assumption we might make around critical thinking, around actually arguably being insubordinate. I'm going to, I'm going to share a situation where someone may have demonstrated an insubordinate behavior where you could get triggered by that and feel like they disrespect you, they maybe are being passive-aggressive or something along the lines. But as I'll explain when we come back, it could be far from that. So this is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to the Mindset Go Radio Show. I'm your host, Mark Altman, founder and president of Mindset Go. And Mindset Go is a company that does training, coaching, speaking, consulting in the areas of leadership, sales, company culture, team building, and we're always trying to help people become more confident and effective communicators. With that said, I promised when we went into our first break, I would share an example, a really blatant example, of where we might make a mistake with intent. So let's take a person who you're, you've, you've delegated something to, you've given a task to. Okay. Now what's interesting about when we, when we delegate things to people What's really tricky about it is there's ultimately there's ultimately three ways we can be disappointed when we delegate a task. One of the ways is the person says they're going to do it, but they don't actually do it. Whatever reason, they don't get it done. 
The second thing is um, they do it, but they don't necessarily do it how we want them to do it. It could take a lot longer. It could be um, they took certain steps that we went, we didn't ask them to take. There's multiple ways, but again, they didn't do it the way we wanted them to do it. And there's a third category, and that is they do something completely different than the way that than what we asked them to do. We we gave specific instructions and said, "This is what we want you to do," and they took a totally different approach. And that third example, that specific third example, is very tricky. Because the outcome, and let me explain the difference. The outcome, if someone does something different than the way we asked, but the outcome is the same. They had their own idea how to accomplish it, accomplishment, but they were able to pull it off. Or they had their own idea how to accomplish, how to accomplish it, but they were unable to pull it off. So the question is, what's the difference with those two things? Well, one of, the, one of the lessons and philosophies of Mindset Go, which I speak about frequently, is that to focus on processes that lead to outcomes as opposed to the outcomes themselves. So what goes through my head is if I give someone a task and I ask them to do something a certain way, and they disregard what I ask, and they choose to do it however way they saw fit, the instinctive reaction as a leader, I believe, is to get frustrated is to feel like you were disrespected, to feel possibly that someone was acting insubordinately, to feel that maybe someone doesn't really think you have the credibility, credibility, knowledge, or knowledge to have made the decision in the first place, and they just think they know more than you, and they're going to do it their own way. And all of those thoughts could go through your head as to why somebody chose a different route to accomplish what you wanted them to. But what's interesting is it could be none of the above because, frankly, if this person that's working for you had a previous job where every time they went to their boss to ask for help or to solve a problem or to share ideas or feedback or input, the majority, if not all of the time, the feedback they received was, listen, you need to figure this out on your own or, listen... I trust your judgment. Do what you think is best, and we'll be willing to roll with that. That could have been the culture that that person was a part of. And in they come to a new company, and in your culture, you expect them to do what they to do what you ask them to do. So they weren't doing anything with a negative or malicious intent. They weren't trying to disrespect you or be insubordinate. That's all they knew. So they acted on what they know. And when people act on what they know, there really isn't a malicious intent. That's all they know. So the conundrum here is, if someone says they want to do it their own way, and they actually do it their own way, and then the result is good, I'm still concerned about the approach they took, whether the result was good or bad. Because what that person did, regardless of what their intent was, they made a unilateral decision that was inconsistent with what I asked. And they thought, hey, my idea is better, my idea is different, so I'm just going to go forward with it and let the chips fall where they may. And so what's interesting is, 
regardless of the outcome, my solution would be the same. And this is the conversation I would have with someone who chose to do something unilaterally different than when I asked. The conversation, and this is, this is what I mean about conversation intelligence at a company, because when you're thinking about how to have conversations, whether you're managing up, you're managing sideways, you're managing down, the ability to have really meaningful and impactful conversations that not only solve problems, but get to the root cause of what caused the problem in the first place, when in this case, the root cause may be the previous work culture they were a part of, that's what they were taught to do, and those were the habits they developed. So to have a conversation, to understand someone's intent, understand where they may be, be coming from, where their thought process derives from, that's a very difficult conversation to have. It requires a lot of patience. It requires an ability to ask the right questions, and it requires the ability to listen without an agenda or listening to understand and not reply. So here's how the conversation would go if the situation happen with me. I would say to the person, well, first of all, I want to really appreciate the fact that you're a creative and innovative thinker and you're an outside-the-box thinker. And the fact that when you take an instruction or a direction that you're not robotic in terms of how you hear it and you actually take a step back to evaluate the best ways to handle the situation. Listeners, this is what we want to absolutely recognize. We want to recognize and appreciate and reward people for being independent thinkers, for not being robotic. We want to recognize that. I mean, how frustrating is it for you when you deal with someone in customer service and they sound robotic and how they handle the situation and they, they're very black and white and can't think outside the box? We don't want that. We want to develop critical thinking. We want people to be willing to take risks. So whether the outcome is good or bad, that doesn't matter. But here's my concern. My concern is the lack of communication. So now, after I get done authentically and genuinely complimenting them for critically thinking of if there's a better way, I would say, now with that said, my concern is, and notice the word choice, Because one of the four communication ingredients I teach is word choice, what you say. So I would say, however, one of my concerns is, not my complaints, not my frustrations, one of my concerns is that you made a unilateral decision that after you came to the conclusion, you didn't come back and share with me some new, the new insights you had so we could talk through it, collaborate, and maybe make a decision on what we think is the best way to proceed. Because I want to recognize and reward critical thinking, innovative thought process. What I don't want to recognize is someone making a unilateral decision and that person may not have understood or thought about the impact to one of the clients, to our team, to perception of leadership, to productivity, to efficiency. There's so many variables in play that... I'm not, I don't ever want someone to think just because someone's your boss, they know automatically more than you because they may not. But what I do want you to think about is if you have a better way, if, if you're a leader listening to this show and someone on your team has a better way, I want you to encourage the innovation and I want you to discourage making unilateral decisions without collaboration and communication. 
right? And so if the if the takeaway from that conversation for the person who made the unilateral decision is, okay, that's cool. I can understand. They, I, I still get to have my cake and eat it too and think out the box and be an independent thinker. But if I do have a different idea, I just need to remember to discuss it and collaborate so we're always putting forth the best idea forward. As opposed to if you assume the intent of the person who made the unilateral decision as being insubordinate, disrespectful, uncaring of your leadership and knowledge, then you're likely to go up to them and say, why did you do that? You know, we had an agreement. Do you remember when I asked you to do this and this is how I told you to do it? You know? And when you give projects or when you give tasks or when you give direct requests, if the extent of the conversation is your frustration level for them not doing it the way you wanted them, you're missing the boat. You're missing the boat, A, on recognizing their independent thinkers. You're missing the boat on, B, getting to the root cause of why they made that decision. They didn't make the decision just to get under your skin and piss you off. There were other reasons they made that decision, and you need to find out why. Because if you want to prevent this situation from happening again, you're not going to motivate them necessarily by a consequence. You're not going to motivate them by, you know, vomiting your authority all over again and making sure they know you're the boss. Those aren't necessarily ways to motivate people. A way to motivate someone is to understand why someone had the thought process they had, why the habit that they formed is the way it is, because once you know those things, you can get to understand where they're coming from, and not only strengthen the relationship you have with that person, but then you're now addressing a problem based on where they're coming from as opposed to where you're coming from. So those are really key aspects of intent. And when it comes to delegation and someone being a perception of being insubordinate, disrespectful, it might be something completely different. And that's an important recognition to have. When we go into our next segment, we're going to go to break, but when we go into our next segment, we're going to talk about the concept of when people go over your head and what the intent may be when someone goes above chain of command. This is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Listening to I Communicate on Full Service Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to the Mindset Go Radio Show. I'm your host, Mark Altman. Glad to be back here with you. Hope you're having a wonderful week thus far. And um, maybe not thinking about the weekend just yet, because remember, we want you to be present and mindful and being a part of what you're doing um, in the moment, in the day, and just. Uh, being very clear on who you want to be, what you want to be, where you want to be. So, you know what's interesting about the word intent? We're talking about um, having a negative intent or assumed intent or a positive intent. And what's different is, if you, when you react to something that frustrates you and disappoints you, if your default is to have a negative intent, you will be angry. Now, the, the, the varying degrees of your anger, yeah, they'll be different. 
But if your default is to assume negative, you'll be angry. Now, if you assume positive intent, I'm not going to guarantee you'll be happy because if you, if you feel like you have to trick yourself into thinking it's positive when you don't really believe in your heart it was positive, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you assume a curious intent, which is what I ultimately want you to choose. Now, most psychologists and most people who work in behavioral fields will tell you all the benefits of assuming positive intent. And there are several benefits. I, who am I to argue? I, I, I mean, I try to do it myself. But there's a bridge from going from negative intent to positive intent. And that's that middle tier of curious. And what, what's interesting about the curious intent is if every time you react to something, your initial reaction is to say, hmm, I wonder why they did that. I wonder why they said that. I wonder why they rolled their eyes at me. I wonder why this is the third time I've had to have this conversation with them. If that's the level of curiosity you're having, where you're kind of not feeling an emotion at all, you're just trying to understand and be curious as to know what the person did or why the person did the way they did, that's a game changer. Because otherwise, if you're assuming negative intent, it's it's really a random response. Because you're really not trying to think and be curious of why the person behaved the way they did. Now let's go through one of the most egregious examples, which is going above the chain of command. You know, we're all taught that in the workplace, if I work alongside of you and I have a problem with you or I have a concern and a frustration of you, we're taught etiquette-wise the best thing to do is to deal with the person directly. If you have a problem with your manager or your boss or a leader, the best thing to do before you go to HR or before you go to someone perhaps higher than them is to talk to them deal with them directly. And what's interesting about that step is you'll often hear the word confront as the word that's attached to that. And confront seems very adversarial or conflict-laden. And so I, I stay away from that word. So there's etiquette. So much of meeting expectations is our perceived core values around etiquette. And so that that aspect of following etiquette is a huge component. Now, my 13-year-old son here in the Westboro School District this week had an experience where he was told by his Mandarin teacher that there was going to be budget cuts, and so they were not going to be able to have workbooks moving forward. And so he's really enjoying Mandarin. He was frustrated by that. So he took it upon himself. I was blown away by this. He took it upon himself, unbeknownst to me. He actually wrote a a two-paragraph email to the superintendent of schools because he had made the direct correlation that he had seen a new pretzel vending machine in the school cafeteria, and he he made the correlation, why would you cut school-related materials in favor of a vending machine with pretzels? So he thought the money that was going to go to go with the pretzels was taken away from the Mandarin studies. So he writes an email, and I read the email after the fact. It was a respectful email. And 
the superintendent's response was fine. And the principal of the school uh, talked to him privately and uh, and maybe admonished is too strong of a word, but did admonish him for um, going out of the chain of command. He said, the principal to this 13-year-old boy said, you know, the next time you have a concern about a budget cut or something like that in the school, will you please go through me before you go to the superintendent? And my son was puzzled. He was like, geez, I don't understand. Like, what was the big deal, Dad? I don't get it. And so then I had to proceed to explain to him about this etiquette chain of command thing that people expect. And the question is why, right? Why is this a problem? Why do people get so upset when you go above the chain of command or don't go about the chain of command the right way? And the reason why, listeners, is there's two primary factors. The assumed intent when you go above the chain of command is you're either trying to get me in trouble or you're trying to make me look bad. Or if there was a third criteria, it would be you don't have that much faith that I can do anything about it, so I'm just going to go over your head. And those are the three assumed intents, which is why when someone goes above the chain of command, we have that instinctive reaction of anger and frustration and hurt and disappointment. But it's also why I'm picking this example when we're discussing intent on the show today because it's hard to find a glass half full. I think if you talk to people who have had this happen to them where someone has gone above their head and you're trying to find a glass half full mentality, I think you'll have a tough time because most people are triggered by the behavior and assume it was a negative intent. Now listen, I I am not trying to put out there to everybody, when I think of emotional intelligence, it doesn't mean perfection. I am not emotionally intelligent 100% of the time. I can guarantee you that. And I don't pretend to be. What I can tell you is it is a core value and a philosophy that is front and center in my thought process the majority of the time because, to me, it's going to make me a better person. With that in mind, though, I'm not kidding myself. I'm not trying to put out there that you have to be flawless and that every time someone upsets me or frustrates me, you know, I'm smiling and I'm going, well, I'm sure they had a positive intent and I'm sure, you know, in the heart of hearts, they weren't really doing anything to upset me. No, I'm not always doing that, you know. But what I am thinking about is I, again, am trying to maintain a curiosity mindset so I don't bring myself down to the lowest common denominator and make assumptions. Look, When someone cuts me off on the highway, when someone cuts me off on the road, all right, I'm pissed. Like, who are you to cut me off? Yeah, I'm mad. And so when that happens, what is my intent? What's their intent when they cut me off? Well, I assure you, 90% of the time when someone cuts you off, their intent wasn't to annoy you or frustrate you or irritate you. It was because they're so caught up in their own world, they're in a hurry, they're stressed, they're anxious, and by the way, not rationalizing their behavior by any stretch. Because emotional intelligence and maintaining a curiosity mindset is not enabling people, it's understanding people. That's a huge discernment to make. I don't don't want to enable anybody. I don't want to coddle anybody. I want to understand people. So 
You know, when, when, when someone cuts you off and you beep at them or you flip them off or whatever your reaction is when you're angry they cut you off, we tell ourselves or we think it makes us feel better. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It just actually it prolongs the annoyance and frustration and then we play it back and ruminate about it in our head. You know, who are they and what's their problem and how's this? Now, if that person cut you off and you were able to say when they cut you off, man, they must have been in some kind of rush to be that rude, you know? You know, if it's an elderly person or if it's a student driver, boy, you know, I'm not so sure they should be driving on the road or maybe they don't have enough experience. Or If that's the reaction, you're not enabling them. You're just, you're just recognizing something. You're making a realization that tells you that the intent wasn't necessarily to get under your skin and annoy you. And I think it's, I think, listen, I think it's so easy over the course of the day, in the week, in the month, in the year, to find ways to be frustrated with the world, with the state of the country, with politics, with friends, with family. There's all kinds of ways to, to easily allow yourself to get frustrated. And when I talk about not defaulting to a negative or assumptive intent, by being able to do this and trying to look at what else could this be, you're going to create a lot less stress and aggravation for yourself. So if you think, if you're listening to the show and you think, well, I don't want to, uh, you know, allow someone to get away with it, or I don't want them, I don't want to enable someone. How about worrying about your own mental and emotional health? And how about worrying that if you have more of a positive spin, an authentic and genuine positive spin, you might be a lot happier and you might be a lot happier and bounce back a little quicker than you normally do. So when we come back from our final segment, we are going to continue to talk about intent and behavior. And this is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Now, I communicate continues on full service radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to the final segment of the Mindset Go Radio Show. Thank you for joining us today in our conversation about intent and behavior and what we can learn from that. So for our final segment, just to finish where we were about going above the chain of command, you know, in our last segment. So again, we're defaulting to the person's trying to get me in trouble. They're trying to make me look bad or they don't believe I'm smart enough to solve the problem. Okay, so if, if, if those are going to be our intents when someone does that, here's how it's going to be different for me, right? So when I talk to that person, after I've just found out that they've just gone over my head and I'm annoyed and I'm frustrated, then that's when my conversational or communication intelligence has to kick into play, right? And it's really communication intelligence, and here's why I say that. Because now I have to have a conversation with this person. And when I have the conversation... Here's all the things I've got to take into consideration. Am I going into the conversation already mad? Because if I'm being honest and self-aware, one of the primary aspects of emotional intelligence, the conversation, I'm not going to be able to be as effective and confident as I want to be because I'm already triggered and I'm already mad and my, my defenses are going to be down and weak because I'm already mad. The second thing is, 
what's my body language look like? Because even if I've got myself in a mental place where my word choice and tone are going to be where I want, is my body language going to be consistent in the messaging I'm giving to that person when I talk about why did they go over my head? Why did they go above the chain of command? So I might say to the person, hey, listen, I just heard from our boss and, um, you know, I guess I just wanted to start the conversation out. I was just curious as how come you didn't come to me first? You know, what was your thought process? What was going through your mind? And the key to this conversation is, you know the person who, 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 who delivered this behavior and this action, most people, they know they were in the wrong. They know that that wasn't the best course of action. They had really a fixed mindset. If, if someone goes above chain of command and you really haven't made an effort to solve the problem, then you really have a lack of faith that you'll be heard, a lack of faith that it'll be meaningful to have this conversation. So they've already made assumptions about you, which is why they never went to you in the first place. So now when you kick off this conversation, your tone and your word choice and your body language is so huge because they're already going to feel threatened. They're going to come into the conversation ready to go on the defensive because they know you're not they know you're not going to be happy about this. So how do you facilitate open and honest communication when you know the person to the co- person coming to the conversation is going to have a, a defensive mindset and is going to be guarded and protective? Because they're anticipating you to go on the offensive. So when I ask that question, look, you know what? Would it have been my choice that you went above my head? No. I wish you would have gone to me, come to me directly, but you've already made that decision, and I just want to make sure we can fix this moving forward because I want to be as your boss. If it's a, if it's a managing up situation, as a boss, I want to be approachable. I want to be comfortable. And if there's something I'm doing in my behavior right now that is discouraging you or not giving you the confidence that you can come to me directly, I care more about that than the issue itself that you went over my head about because that's interfering with us having a productive working relationship. And you see, that's what I mean about root cause. So if if when someone triggers you and someone upsets you and you want to talk about the issue itself... You can, but you really want to get to the bottom of why they acted the way they did. What were their fears? What were their concerns? What were their thoughts? Irrational or not? Justified or not? It doesn't matter. They're there. Perception is reality, right? So I want to understand why the person doesn't feel comfortable talking to me in the first place. And for me to really get to the root cause and understand that, I've got to create an open and honest environment for communication so they'll tell me the truth willingly and with the spirit of actually improving this relationship so we don't have to deal with this again. So that's where I start the conversation. Now, as we move through this conversation, I also might ask a question of, was this an outlier? I'm wanting to know is, are they, every time they disagree with me, is every time this person disagrees with me, is it going to be their default reaction to go over my head? Or was there something different or unique about this circumstance that said, well, no, normally I wouldn't, but this time I would. 
in your curious mindset in getting to the root cause, that's an extra detail that's very important because a lot of people are going to yes you. A lot of people are going to tell you what you want to hear because they don't want conflict. They're conflict avoidant and or they don't really believe by being straight or direct with you, it'll yield any kind of results so they don't want to invest the time and energy into doing so. So understanding is there something that was different about this specific situation that you felt you felt you had to go over my head where another situation you wouldn't and if so what were the criteria what was the scenario here that made you feel like you needed to take that next step was it an ethical thing was it a moral thing was it a credibility thing was it a trust thing you know it could have been any of those But the, but the fact of the matter is, the whole thing about intent is you know what it means when you feel you're accused of being defensive or whether you have to go on the defensive. But the whole thing about intent is, if you default to a negative intent, then what happens is the second you default to a negative intent and you don't have the curious mindset, and you end up getting frustrated or annoyed, right? You've lost your ability to be happy in that moment. You've lost your ability to think straight, think coherently. And that that defensive mindset, what happens is, when you become angry... You're almost putting yourself automatically on the defensive because you feel like you were wronged. You feel like someone had a malicious act of some kind to behavior. Remember what I said in the top of the show, right? When we looked at the penal code, and the penal code only sees negative. You did it on purpose. You did it knowingly. You did it carelessly or recklessly. And you did it negligently. There's there's no gray area there. I mean, they all have differing definitions, but they're all bad. Unknowingly or due to a specific life experiences or cultures you've been exposed to, around leadership, around communication styles, around recognition, around feedback, all of those things are part of your life experiences and culture. And perhaps that's what you've been exposed to, and that's all you know. And, you know, as a final thought for today, you know, one, one of the things that's interesting about intent and assumptions and perceptions is, you know, what's, what's so funny about salespeople is salespeople, one of the reasons salespeople are, tend to be passive as opposed to assertive, which is what you think they are, is because salespeople are so mindful and their radars are up because they don't want to be accused of being that pushy or aggressive salesperson, and so they back away. And they actually overcompensate so much the other direction, they become passive. Because if if salespeople are asking a question and are being assertive and wanting more specific details, if the assumed intent by the prospect is, oh, here's another pushy or aggressive salesperson, then the salesperson is going to be horrified. They don't want to be thrown in that bucket or lumped into that group. But that's where, that's really where the discernment happens between assertive and aggressive. And we've talked about this on past shows, and that's why 
that's such a fundamental aspect of emotional intelligence. So when it comes to being defensive, you know, and when it comes to perception and assumption relating to that, can you actually discern between when you're advocating for yourself, when you're communicating, and when you're being assertive versus when you're being aggressive or overstepping or putting people on the defensive? And frankly, a lot of that is open to interpretation, but it still falls back to the four fundamental communication rules of word choice, tone, body language, and listening skills. Because you can't control how other people think, but you can control how you communicate with others and setting yourself up for success. And where it's not a guarantee, you can set yourself up for success. With that said, thank you for listening to another edition of the Mindset Go Radio Show. We will look forward to talking again next week. Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend. I'm Mark Altman. If you'd like to get more information about the different programs we run at Mindset Go for speaking, training, coaching, 978-206-1535, and it's info at mindsetgo.com. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. been listening to i communicate with your host mark altman join us again each week at this time on full service radio wcrn 